Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us once again for Grace to All with Paul Gray. With my friend Carla Wicks today, if you didn't hear our time together last week, you can go back and listen to her introduction there. I won't give it again today because we've got lots of other things to talk about. But Carla, welcome back. Hi, good to be back. Thank you so much. And I have to confess to our audience that uh, in between these two recordings, we've been reminiscing about different things that happened in Lawrence, Kansas, uh, when you were at South Junior High School and Lawrence High. And after that, and we'll get into some of these. But the first thing I want to do is to talk about your new book. And by the time people listen to this, it will be out. But tell us about that book, what brought it about and how it's going to help people. The title of the book is called That Still Small Whisper. And it's a 40-day devotional and prayer guide. Each section is meant to be taken one day at a time and used over the whole 40 days. The transformation that I've seen in the lives of some ladies that I did this with as a Bible study several years ago was really kind of phenomenal to watch because they went from ladies that didn't have maybe as dynamic a prayer life as they wanted to women that were hearing every day something in their heart that they knew that God was speaking to them. And so I decided to publish it in a book and let everybody participate. That's how it all started. Great. Well, I know you're writing from the novel that you did that I enjoyed so much, and I know that this will be good too. So I sure encourage people to check that out. As we're recording this, people are going to be listening to it actually in June, but as we're recording this on the 29th of March, as you just reminded me of, it's Vietnam Veterans Remembrance Day, and that has special meaning for you. Tell us about your time in service during the Vietnam War. I was in high school, graduated from Lawrence High School in 73 and went straight into the Air Force. And my first duty assignment after basic and tech school was to Guam. And it was right at the very end of the Vietnam conflict. And so even though I didn't serve in country, I was support personnel at Anderson Air Force Base in Guam, where people were still coming out of the mountains, not knowing that the war had been over and ended. But needless to say, it was a very tumultuous time for our country, but it still holds a very dear place for me because I love the military. I would have stayed in and probably made it my life career, but decided when I got pregnant with my first child, we didn't want to have him in Guam. So I came back to the States and took an early discharge. So what did you do in your support position in the Air Force? I started out as an age mechanic, which is actually working on the equipment that they use to service the bombers and the tankers. When those schematics 
got a little bit difficult for me, I transitioned over to a clerk typist in a recreational service office where we actually provided equipment for this, uh, the airmen when they had some downtime and wanted to just uh, relax and en- enjoy mm-hmm. life a little bit. And so then after you got out of the Air Force, then you went to dental hygiene school, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, okay. I, it was many years later because I had, my husband had come home from the military and we I had the rest of my children and after the youngest one was just about, you know, done with school, I decided I was going to go back to college because I have this passion for lifelong learning and decided I'm going to change career fields. Instead of all of my life, I had been working clerical or admin, I was going to do something else. And so I signed up for dental hygiene school and graduated in 91 from Johnson County Community College and worked for several dentists in the Lawrence area before I moved to Texas and took a job, uh, civil service with the United States Army at Fort Hood. Wow, a really varied career. You mentioned, uh, or at least it's in your bio that's on the, the cover of your book, that you're a gold star mom. And that does tie in with your book. I know it's hard to talk about, but I know that you can talk about it and want to help people with that. Tell us about that experience. My gold star came when my son, my oldest, the one that I came home from Guam to have, Paul was in the United States Navy and he was killed while he was on active duty. He was actually in Reno, Nevada on some temporary duty when he was involved in a vehicular accident. But it was a tough time. I was single mom raising my other three teenagers at home in Lawrence when the uh, naval officer came to my house with the news. And I talk about it in the book because I wanted people to understand that when I went through this course of 40 Whispers with the other ladies, the thing that makes this book a little bit different than other devotional and prayer guides is that I get very vulnerable and I feel that the times that I've been able to reach out and really touch other souls are when I lay it all out there, the good, the bad, and just get right down real. And one of the first stories that people will read in the book is how the story of my son's passing many years later caused me to reach a woman that was so deep and had been for years in the grief of losing a son that she really felt like her life had absolutely zero meaning. And I knew after my encounter with her and sharing with her that I had lost my son too, that watching the transformation, not only on her physical countenance, but in her life, I felt like if my son had not died for anything else than that one woman, that one encounter, it was all worth it. Because at the time, I didn't see how anything good could ever come from losing a child. And yet I tend to use what I've always said. I will use those places that look like the deepest, darkest valleys of minutia that you can't even hardly walk through to be the place where God changes it into his glory ground and allows people's lives to be transformed. So the book is full of stories, not only my own, but stories of other members in my immediate family who have had life-changing, dramatic changes because of whispers 
things that they've heard from the Lord from heaven. Wow. Obviously, it wasn't an academic exercise for you. It's from your real experience. And that is a wonderful attitude to have that while it was, I'm sure, rock bottom, that you can now see that some of the good things that come from that. Well, let's talk about a much uh, higher thing, like a kind of roller coaster thing, uh, a fun thing, something I didn't know. You were on Family Feud. Your part of your family was uh, was on that show back in the 1970s. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, I have a grandmother and mother who just dearly loved watching game shows, and they both had talked about, oh, Family Feud. Wouldn't it be interesting if we could get on there? But who could we ever get to? be five family members to go and fast forward. I hear about it and decide I'm going to just apply and see what happens. And that was back in the day when Richard Dawson was the host and you didn't do interviews here and then go there if they pick you. I mean, you literally had to get up and go to California to audition, which we did over one summer. And it was my mother and my grandmother and my two brothers And we showed up and went through a very grueling audition process and then finally made it to be on the taping and then actually were on for five days. And it was a very interesting time. Wow. I'll bet. And uh, you came home with some money in your pocket, right? You know, we told people when we won for five days, we'd actually won the fast money twice. You know, well, you know, Family Feud now and the fast money is a lot more money. But for us in 1978 to win, you know, for five days, it was a lot, you know, and it meant sure. a lot to us. But, well, yeah. um, you know, we still watched every once in a while, you know, just it, it's comical. We have our recording on CDs and <laughs> Yeah, I think everybody that's ever worked for my brother at the theaters that he used to manage in Lawrence have seen it. Um, It's even showed up. One of the episodes has showed up on YouTube. So it's a time when we can sit back and laugh at ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, that's wonderful. Then, of course, you had some years later, you had some theater experience with uh, yourself and your daughter. Now, nine kids and still one at home. Right. And that in itself has been quite an experience, hasn't it? Well, yes. And when people hear that, nine children, one at home and 12 grandchildren, I preface it by saying, okay, I had four children that were my own. And then when I remarried my husband that I'm married to now, we married in 2000, he had also been single parenting through the 90s with his four children. So we did a Brady Bunch. We combined families and we had eight grown children. And then a granddaughter presented that we were able to get her and we're raising her as parents now. And so it's a second time around. So that's how we get to the nine. And then all of our eight adult children, my husband has a daughter that is deceased. And of course I have my son who's deceased, but of the six that are living, they each have two grandchildren. So that's how we get to 12. Wow. What a full life in uh, freelance writing and blogging. Tell us about your blogging. What do you write about? Actually, I'm not actively blogging now that I've started writing and actually putting some things in books. But the last blog that I did was broken. It was a year when I decided to take 
a word at the beginning of the year and just study it and meditate and learn as much as I could about it. And that year I chose the word broken. And I blogged about that at carlawicks.blogspot.com. I think if you go there, you can probably still read some of those blogs. But it caught the attention of Pat Smith, who is Emmett Smith's wife. Emmett played for the Dallas Cowboys. And she saw that and she said, I want you to come to one of my Treasure You retreats. I want people to hear about your broken blog because it has so impressed me. So, yeah, if people wanted to go out there, I'm sure somehow on the Internet and archive files, they could probably find it at uh, carlawicks.blogspot.com. Wow. Well, so what's next on the horizon? It's going to be something totally different than any of these other things. Or <laughs> well, actually, next what's next on the horizon is I have become a precinct chair in my neighborhood, and I'm also a voter registrar now. So I'm trying to do my little bit for the country, as it would, you know, instead of just being somebody that just sits around and does nothing. But writing, I'm going to be doing a second book in the That Still Small Whisper. I want it to be something that grows a community. So I'm actually going to be working on the second book and it's going to be a book for teens from teens. I'm going to be interviewing teenagers, listening to what they're hearing from the Lord, listening to some of their stories because they have many, especially through our last year of the pandemic, how they were successful to navigate that very difficult year also sharing some heartaches of some that had not so good outcome to last year, but it's part of what makes the book real. People reading real stories from real people and realizing no respecter of persons, God speaks to us all. And it's what we choose to do with what we are given that propels us to help others. Wow. What a great concept. Well, I know that will help a lot of people. I'm guessing maybe some of your, your daughter's a teenager whom you're uh, homeschooling. I'm guessing some of these will be her friends. Yes. Some will be her friends. Some will be some early 20, 20. I'm going to try to take the book from 15 to 25-year-olds. And some are people that I've met through the theater that are a little bit older now, maybe starting off in they've gone through college or they're still in college or they're newly married. So they have a still keen perspective on what it was like in their teenage years. Because it's one thing to write a book from my perspective or say maybe my adult children that are in their 40s now, their perspective. But I want to be able to let the next generation know you can hear what we hear. And we want to have a book that's you. What are you hearing? And what what do you want to share with other teenagers? If somebody handed you the mic and said, go, what is that prevailing thing that you're hearing from Uh, heaven that you want to share? Oh, that's wonderful. Now, COVID obviously has affected everybody in different ways. Uh, For somebody who's outgoing, for somebody who's involved in theater, you guys, I would guess, were shut down for a year, right? We were. The last show that my daughter and I did together was a year ago Christmas. We did Christmas Bells in South Lake, Texas in December of 19. And then COVID happened and we didn't do any theater last year at all. And as a matter of fact, I've been busy writing, so I've not been actually looking at any 
theater notices, even though I've seen a few are out there. But my daughter just got cast this weekend in the, um, she's going to be in Les Mis. At really? The Artisan, at the Artisan the, uh, Theater in Hearst. Uh, they're doing a 12 to 18 year old schooled edition directed by John Wilkerson. He's a Broadway actor and his wife, Margaret, we know them very well. Margaret teaches voice for Nicole and he's actually going to be running this production. And Nicole got cast as Madame Dardier. <laughs> She's the second protagonist, the, the really bossy lady of Master of the House. So we're looking forward to seeing her get back on stage. And Yeah. And so she's a vocalist as well as an actress. Yeah, and a dancer. She's a, the triple threat. She can, wow. yeah, and she loves it. So she's super excited. Night one of rehearsal is tonight. Wow, God, gosh, that's wonderful. I, I know it's got to be exciting uh, for you as well. And to have somebody of that caliber to be producing the show and teaching her is just an extra treat. As a musician, I used to play full-time, and then for a while I had a nightclub here in Lawrence, the the jazz place, and I traveled uh, with my band. And I've thought off and on during this last year, if that's what I was doing for a career when COVID hit, everything would have just stopped. I have some musician friends who I don't think I have any who play full-time for a living anymore, but many who who used to, but still, you know, played part-time and stuff. Not only did the income stop, but the camaraderie with the people and the friendships and the interaction between the the, the band, the entertainers, and, and the audience, and gosh, everything changed. And I know, Carla, as you do too, that that's happened in pretty much everybody's career with whatever they're doing in some way. And so it it, it seems to me that your book, 40 Whispers, would really be beneficial for people right now coming out of that or or, or some who are still in that. I know the the music market hasn't opened back up yet. And so tell us one more time. Gosh, I, I can't believe our time's up. But tell us one more time how they can get a copy of the book, the name of it, and all of that good stuff. The name of the book is That Still Small Whisper, and it'll say Devotional Prayer Guide. This is the cover, and it will be on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com. I guess by the time this airs, it will already be out. It's releasing right now around the 10th of April, and uh, you can buy them there, or you can email me at 40whispers, that's 40whispers, plural, at gmail.com and I will be more than happy to autograph one and send it out to you and I can give you ways that you can pay me directly. So Super. And as I mentioned in our last episode, uh, I've got my order in and I'm looking forward to getting it as I enjoyed uh, your novel before summer at Eagle Crest Drive. I was, I seem to remember you said at the end of that, that maybe there was going to be another one, a sequel. There is. I'm, I'm working on not only the second in this devotional, but I'm also writing on the second in the series of that novel. So I've kind of got my hat going both ways, the novel writing and the devotional writing. So so what do you sleep about one hour a night to get all these things in? <laughs> yeah, my, my, my best writing time is very, very early in the morning before everybody gets up or later in the evening when everybody's gone to bed and it's quiet. <laughs> yeah, I know the feeling. 
Well, Carla, thanks so much for being on again. Uh, stay on the line, and we'll visit a little bit when we're done. But uh, it's just delightful to be with you, and I sure encourage people to get your devotional book. And sometime later, after it's become a number one bestseller, we'll do another interview. Okay, sounds great. Great. Thank you, and uh, thanks to everybody for watching and being with us for another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.